My guest this evening on Where the Road Takes Me is Liam Sheehan, president of Mallow GAA Club, and what a story he has to tell. Raised in Jersey, the biggest of the Channel Islands during German occupation, the family returned to Mallow at the end of World War II. Back home, Liam learned the skills of hurling from the Christian brothers who taught him in Mallow, went on to win three county hurling titles with Mallow and Avondu, and has some wonderful memories as a 19-year-old marking a 40-year-old hurler called Christy Ring. He coached many hurling teams in North Cork, played soccer in Hyde Park in London, and opened a green grocer shop in Mallow. There were wonderful memories of the town hall days in Mallow. He was lucky to escape with his life at the border because of an act of foolishness by a friend. And there's a story about the great Kerry footballer, Mick O'Connell. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the life and times of Liam Sheehan. Good evening and welcome to Where the Road Takes Me. I was born in Jersey, Channel Islands, on the 13th of the 1st, 1941. And it um, was during the occupation of the island by the Germans in the Second World War. My mother and father had gone there the year before. My father worked harvesting tomatoes and whatever, and potatoes. So it was a historical time, really, you know. I was there until I was four and four and a half. But it was amazing the number of memories I have of the time. You'd imagine you couldn't have those memories at that early age. But I had a few winners, and uh, one of them was a pleasant one. Myself my sister, she was born a year later, would run after the Germans, and we'd shout, Chocolada, Chocolada. I often wondered, <laughs> was Chocolada the German for um, chocolate? but they were very kind really they would they would give her bits of chocolate yeah. you know and uh, that was one of the memories and I remember a few years ago I was inside the pub and Germans came in and it suddenly dawned me would I ask him about chocolate and I was about to go over and then I said maybe they might think I'm bringing up <laughs> the second world war or something you know so I didn't but uh, another one was a memory of people lined up on the shoreline hundreds of people and it was the the, um, the Germans were leaving the island and uh, the vehicles, which were full, went straight from the land into the sea. And I, I got a fright of that, even at my early age. I thought, you know, I'd said there were amphibian craft. I found out later about amphibian craft that right. they could go on board them. For years after World War II and after leaving the island of Jersey, Liam could not rid himself of the constant scent of cardboard and was unable to determine where it came from. But eventually, he remembered. It was to upset me a small bit, but it was only reading years later that the Red Cross sent cardboard boxes of supplies near the end of the war, and they would be opened. And maybe it was that, the strong aroma of, of the cardboard, and it meant so much to people when they would arrive. And that um, scent still remained with you? Yeah, it did. And amazingly, my father said that a lot of people, when they first started, got sick because they weren't used to the rich foods. The food was so basic, you know. And so my father had great stories about it. Now, he said the Germans were reasonable enough. They shouted a bit, he says, you know, and they had to walk. He walked in the underground hospital, which is a museum now there, for six months. 
and they worked 12 hours a day. The conditions were harsh in there, and uh, the rations were very scarce. But he said, generally speaking, he found the Germans not not too bad, you know. Mm. A lot of people, when you when you mention Germans, yeah. they think of the Nazis, and there was yeah. a big difference between the Nazis and the ordinary German soldier. There was, yeah. Yeah, he said they'd share a cigarette with you know, and again, they'd give an old cigarette, mm-hmm. you know. And I suppose they had a grow for the Irish because they were neutral. Okay. There was a busy death going on, you know. But there was one very good story. Uh, he met this German one day and he said they virtually were in uniform all the time. He thinks they never got out of uniform. But he asked them where he was from and he said, uh, Ireland. And where? County Cork. And he said, where in County Cork? And he said, Mallow. And the German said with a smile, he said, how are things in Lover's Leap? Lover's Leap is just below the bridge in Mallow. It's a famous scenic place. A lot of people go up there. Seemingly, there was a tra- tragedy there a hundred years or more ago. Two people were, were wanting to get married and they were in different religions or something, and they took their own lives. And my father was amazed. And the story was, he was a technician in the sugar factory in Mallow, the Mallow Sugar Factory. And uh, they were brilliant at that, seemingly. And uh, and he said to my father, he explained how we knew Lover's Leap. If I knew then what I know now, I'd still be there. Because he said his two sons were fighting on the mainland in Europe. God only knows what happened to them, yeah. you know. So uh, that was a great story. My father and a friend of his, Paddy Brown, they met these Germans, and Germans were well on, they were drunk. My father didn't drink at all, really, you know, very little in her. And they persuaded him to come in to have a drink. I said, come on, come in and have a drink with us. And so one of the Germans said to Paddy, Englishman? And Paddy says, drawing himself up to his five foot six eyes, no, no, not at all, he said, Irishman. And the German said, <laughs> Englishman? Honourable man, fight for his country. Irishman, shake hands with one hand, stab in the back with the other. Paddy <laughs> <laughs> got a terrible shock, he thought he was going to be. And when my father said to use a big word, that was the ambivalence kind of, of the Irish. They were neutral. And he said sometimes the Irish there would be anti-German and anti-British, and sometimes they'd be pro-British and pro... But the Germans at times didn't know what to do with the Irish, you know? <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, my mother then fell very ill, and they went to the doctor, and they, not, the local doctors couldn't figure out, but it was a German doctor figured out she would, she'd um, rat poisoning. Oh, really? That the rats were, were... Wheels, was it? I know, I know, was it called that now, that time? Yeah. But the Germans solved it and, and she was cured. So he was grateful for that as well. Like most occupied countries, some people get close to their oppressors and others get involved in resistance activities. However, getting too close had its consequences and Jersey was no exception. The women who fraternised with the Germans, they were called jerry bags. That's the nickname they had in them, you know, I suppose. I think it happened in Ireland too, during the the war with the area and all that, with the black and tens that some people did fraternise, you know. And indeed, treated them harshly when the war was over. Even when the war was over, they were were treated harshly, you know. So we came home soon afterwards. 
But we'd, uh, we'd lovely memories of it, really. Myself and my sister had lovely memories of it, you know. We didn't realise the implication of what was going on, I suppose. But we had, and we loved the chocolate. Chocolade, chocolade, chocolade. Was it a big difference then, coming from the Channel Islands over to Tamalo? Different way of life, I presume, then? It was. I think we, we lived with our grandmother down Yums Lane. It was a small house, but we lived there for a while. And eventually we got a council house over in uh, the other side of the bridge. There was a lovely estate there. Sullivan's Place, Ward's Place is still there. Still very lovely houses there. Crow Place we were in. And uh, we had a great time there, really, because we had a lovely green in front of us. And like that, we were, we were very much involved in hauling. We used to have street leagues yeah. there, you know. We had great times there, really. Yeah, and then kind of went, went into the GA club, you know. I started playing hauling early on. I played a lot of hauling on the 14th team very early and I think I played for four years <laughs> but the brothers in Mallow were very good the Patrician brothers the brothers and priests but the brothers in particular were uh, great for, for the hurling you know hurling and football but mainly hurling they came from Kilkenny and various places you know During his playing career Liam Sheehan won three county titles two with Mallow in intermediate hurling in 1959 and again in 1972, and one senior with divisional side Avondu in 1966. He also got to mark the legendary Christy Ring. To win a county is, is massive, really, you know. There are some great hurlers I know that never won anything. You know, they were unlucky with the team they had and, you know, they didn't even win one title. So to win in recent years now, Mallow won a lot of football titles, you know, more so than hurling. They haven't won hurling now from 72, which is a long time. <laughs> you know. What does uh, a win like that do for a town and uh, a club? Enormous benefit. Oh, yeah. Well, in 59, oh, it was fabulous, you know. And you had massive crowds going to matches that time, much more so then I remember reading in Daddy Manning's book that there was a train to Fromoy for a, cha- a championship game I think it was against uh, the Glen and I reckon a thousand people went from Mallow by train well of course it was virtually no cars or, you know and uh, I was on the 59 team I was 18 and uh, we, we were senior then and we played the Glen down the park in our first league match and that was a mess you know there was a huge crowd down the park in Mallow and uh, I don't want to be talking about myself now but it's one of the highlights of my life you know yeah that I was on Christie Ring <laughs> see there's more to it than that with the ball was being thrown in and I ran back I was playing left half forward and I was the free taker and uh, there was Ring standing right half back so I thought I'd made a mistake that I had done, gone the wrong way and I turned the wrong way ran back the other way and then realised oh, oh back so there whatever notion he got he played right half back that day maybe they were short seemingly his first minor match he played right half back with the cock, cock minors now I was 19 and he was 40 <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, there's a couple of great stories about it and fellas used to be asking me years after and they're still doing that time fellas said oh he played in Christie Ring but uh, I was totally overawed by him you know to look at his wrist and his thighs you know and uh, but uh, I was probably a bit faster than him that time <laughs> he was pushing on a bit but uh, he fouled me a couple of times and he wasn't a bit happy with that you know that the referee and I took the freeze I, got, I, I, I know what he scored but I scored at least two points and I don't I know what I scored from 
play I don't think so I don't know I can't remember and the crowd got a bit uneasy that he kind of tapped me in the elbow a couple of times with the hurley and uh, I remember he gave, he gave me a bit of advice one time about going up for a bar <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I took his advice I was careful about putting my hand up but at one stage in the crowd got a bit uneasy and it was slight booming kind of slight and he put his two fingers and they were strong fingers and he started to hit me on the chest like that you know, I was afraid of my life. And he said, I spoke very fast, very fast, very hard to know. A Jordi, a Jumfla, a Jordi, a Jumfla. I was playing at the provincial, interprovincial. Do you hear me? I Jordi, a Jumfla. And I was saying to myself, what's, what's interprovincial? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was going through my mind, what's interprovincial? Yeah. Of course, I was playing for Munster. Monster, yeah. very, very he was noted for that. That when, when They said when he played with Munster, it was worth 10,000. That if they knew he was playing, you know. So a couple of boys afterwards, when he was going out, they said, "Ah, you nice way to treat that young fella. And he said, that's good for him. That'll that'll harden him up, he said. That's something like that, harden him up. would you view him as a hurler? Oh, he was powerful. Powerful strength was, was unbelievable, you know. His strength. And uh, he used to do what a lot of people don't do now. He was pulling the ball in the air. He scored goals that way, you know. Yeah. But he he'd, he'd mighty strength. And there were some great stories about him at one time. And... Uh, but that outside of hurling, you know, he was a hard man in the hurling field, that he was a very religious man, went to mass a lot and cared about people, you know. Uh, uh, Glenn Rovers, man told me, you know, he might pass and knock at the door and said, how are you, John? How are you keeping? I heard you weren't well. I was just passing there, but he wouldn't be just passing. He might have driven up from... The call would be intentional. Yeah, that yeah. he would, that he, you know. And had a great story about him. I don't know what anniversary it was, but... He was coming home from work one night. He worked with, with the oil lorries. And uh, the city was packed. And this woman was coming against him with one of those big old-fashioned prams. And she went to go around somebody. And it let, he kind of went off the footpath and kind of into the street. And if, if she did, ring jumped and he caught the pram. And he held, no, he could have got injured, you know. But he killed it and then stopped it from, yeah. But the upshot of that was... On his last day on this earth, when he was going to his doctor down in South Mel, is it South Mel, one of those places, and uh, he collapsed. People got around him and uh, they recognised him straight away, ring, you know. He was 59, I think, and he died. And next thing, the door opened and this woman came out. And who was the woman? The woman in the pram. They got onto the doctor, but he died. President of Mallow GAA Club, Liam Sheehan, is my guest on Where the Road Takes Me this Sunday evening. Coming up in part two after the break. More stories about Ringy and his caring nature off the field of hurling. Join me again in a few moments right here on C103.